You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It is good to see you guys here today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. We're in a series that we are calling To Be Human, because to be human is to worship, because God has created you and I to be a worshiper. Every single person in this room is worshiping something, someone, or something is ruling our heart, and whatever is ruling your heart today is in fact the object of your worship. And all of us have this inner desire to be close to something, to be connected to something important. It's why we want to be close to family. It's why we want to be close to friends. We want to belong. We want to be connected to something that matters, that that truly has value. And God gives us this desire to connect to him, to be close to him. But along our journey, we get close to things that we think will be better than him. And so those things are in fact dangerous. And some of us have gotten too close to some of those dangerous things. Um, One of our staff members, Kristen McCarge, um, was on her way to work this week. And um, she woke up and she realized that her air conditioner was broken. And so the house was, you know, like 80 degrees. It was super warm in the house. And she let her dog outside, you know, to do his business and had no idea, but a skunk was in her backyard. And so sure enough, that dog didn't get the memo and he got too close to this skunk and the dog got sprayed. Well, she opens the door not knowing what has happened. And here he comes trouncing back into the house with this incredibly bad odor, right? He gets into the house. She immediately knows what's happening here. And that skunk smell just kind of wafted into her house and just kind of melted into the walls. She starts freaking out. You know, my house is burning up. My dog is sprayed by a skunk. Now my house smells like a skunk. She came to work later that day and she said, I'm sorry, guys, you're not going to believe what kind of day I've had, but I smell like a hot skunk. (laughs) And so her new nickname is Hot Skunk. So if you see her today, be like, what's up, Hot Skunk? No, don't, don't do that. But evidently, you know, the dog didn't get the memo. Like, there are some things that you just don't get close to, and a skunk is one of those things. You don't get close to a skunk. You know, some of you have gotten too close to something in your life that was dangerous, that, that has harmed your relationship with God, or it, it's harmed you personally. And And so uh, we want to understand what some of those harmful things are, but we also want to understand that God has wired each and every one of us to be close to him, to connect to him. He's wired us to be in a relationship with him, to know him, and he wants you and I to be close to him. So today, I want to teach you how to have an experience with God that will change your life. And so in your Bibles in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 16. And the first couple of verses here are kind of a recap of what we talked about last week in chapter 9. But I think it's it's super helpful for us to revisit. This is a, a passage from Jeremiah chapter 31 that's essentially a prophecy of how Jesus or how a Messiah is going to come and, and change the way that we connect to God, change the way that we relate to God. And so here's what he says in verse 16. He says, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts 
and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering of sin. So again, let's just pause, keep your Bible open, but this is basically a recap of of last week that we talked about. There's a new system of worship. There's a new promise that God made to us. Uh, We call it a, a new covenant, and it means that the sacrifice of Jesus was ultimate and it was final. You can't bring any offering to God. You cannot bring any sacrifice to God that will cleanse your conscience of guilt, that will get you in closer with God. It's not going to forgive you of your sins or relieve you of any guilt. That's the old system. That's the tabernacle of where they would bring a sacrifice to get in good with God. It would not work for them. It will not work for us today. So God says, anytime you come to me, and you're laying stuff at my feet, you're bringing some kind of offering to, to, to relieve your guilty conscience, it's not going to work. You're not going to earn God's favor with any amount of money, any amount of service, anything that you do. There's no good work that any of us can do that's going to bring us in a position to where God's going to cleanse our sin. That is bought and paid for by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. So there's no longer any offering for sin. Remember the old system involved the high priest going into what was called the Holy of Holies to make a sacrifice, which was essentially cleansing the people of all of their sins. And so uh, now what he is saying, we didn't have direct access. Now what he is saying is through Jesus, the veil's been torn. Now we have direct access to God. Now we don't need a priestly system to connect to God because Jesus is our great high priest. The veil is torn. The sacrifice has been paid. And now through the blood of Jesus, we have access to God. Forgiveness of sin and the relief of all of our guilt. So because of all of this, this new covenant, he says in verse 19, therefore, because of all of this, Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, remember, the holy of holy place, now we have uh, access to the presence of God by the blood of Jesus, not through anything else, but we must approach God through Jesus, verse 20, by the new and living way. New and living way is the new covenant that he opened us for us through the curtain, that veil that he tore, that is through his flesh, verse 21. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, again, Jesus fulfilling the priestly system, he's our great high priest. Therefore, verse 22, he says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So so again, how do we experience God in such a way that our life is changed? Well, the first thing that he says here in verse 22 is that you and I are to draw near to God with a true heart. Draw near to God with a sincere heart. Drawing near to God, listen, has nothing to do with your church attendance. Just because you are here today and in this room does not mean that you are drawing any closer to God than if you were at home today. Because 
Worship has nothing to do with location. The location of where we worship has nothing to do with our heart connection to God. And God is all after our heart. It's not about our location. It's about what's located in our heart. And so understanding that, we can be here, we can be home. This is not a holy building. We know that those who trust in Christ, the Spirit of God dwells within us. And so the presence of God is with us. Jesus says where two or three are gathered, there I am with them. And so we know we're here today. We know God is with us, but it's not because of this location or this building. And so how do we draw near with a sincere heart? In other words, how do we really connect with Jesus? How do we draw near to him with this heart. Well, some of us draw near to God out of a sense of legalism. And so drawing near to God for you is this idea that, oh, I got to go to church. It's Sunday, or I got to read my Bible. I don't read it enough. I'm a terrible person. I need to pray, and I don't pray. And so your attitude and your heart is like, I've got to do all these things. Like it's this heavy burden on you. And and when we're, when we're thinking in those terms that we're drawing near to God out of a sense of duty, uh, out, of, out of a sense of, of legalism, then, then it's never going to quite work for us. There's a difference between drawing near to God, wanting to connect with God out of a sense of legalism and, and, and duty versus I genuinely, out of a sincere heart, I genuinely want to know who he is. I genuinely want to connect to him. Um, can I make a confession today um, in front of everybody? Uh, and don't judge me. Can you do that? Seriously, you're probably going to judge me. But uh, let, me, let me say this. If you're married today and you're, you're a guy, uh, does your wife do anything that just really irritates you? I mean, there's just something, and you could make a list, and you're just like, man, when she does this, I hate hate it. You know, you ever, um, wives, you probably have some of these for your husband too, a few things that you would just say, I cannot stand it when he does, you know, fill in the blank. Well, my wife does something and I love her. Didn't she do a good job up here today and just, you know, being the MC and, and, uh, but she does things that just irritate me. And, and one of the things that she does every single week that irritates me, you ready for this? She reminds me to take out the trash to the, to the street. Now, every single Tuesday for the last 10 years, I know the garbage is coming, right? But every Monday night, she's like, don't forget about the trash can. You got to roll it out, you know? And I'm like begrudgingly like gritting my teeth and rolling my eyes. And I'm like, I know the trash is coming. Don't have to remind me, right? So I know, listen, listen, there's pride in my heart. <laughs> there's, there's, there's issues that I have. But I, I tell you, every time she tells me to do that and I'm rolling that trash can out, I'm not serving her to honor her. I'm begrudgingly, you know, frustratingly doing this as a duty, right? So there's a difference in when I'm begrudgingly doing something for my wife and when I genuinely am doing something because I want to serve her, right? And so there's a difference. And in terms of our worship, in terms of our closeness and our desire to connect to God, our motive really does matter. It really does play a big part in how connected you feel to God. Some of you don't attempt to draw near to God because you view him like a nagging spouse, 
you got to go to church. It's Sunday. You're like, oh, gosh, yes. It's been a late Saturday, but I guess I'll go. You should read your Bible. I know, I know. But for whatever reason, you just never take that connection, you know. You never take those steps. And so begrudgingly, we look at all of this uh, Christian activity as something that I have to do instead of something that I need or get or experience something life-changing that, that actually changes me. If you grew up in church, you, you heard people talk about a quiet time. This is your private worship, your personal worship of God. Uh, maybe you call it a devotion time, but I do believe it's an important part of our, our faith and it's an important part of our worship to God. But I don't want us to approach it with a sense of legalism. I definitely don't want us to approach it like your wife is telling you to take out the trash, right? A devotion is when you, you know, you get your Bible, you're reading, you know, a little bit of scripture, you, you have prayer, you might journal some things, but if your approach to God and connecting to him is, is out of a have to or a sense of duty, that type of mindset, then it doesn't have that sense of excitement. It doesn't have that sense of mystery, like what is God going to show me today? It doesn't have that sense of expectation like I am about, I'm about to open up the very words of the creator of the universe and he's going to show me something today that maybe I've never realized before. I'm going to actually encounter the spirit of God. If there's not that mystery, if there's not that excitement and expectation, then chances are you're kind of begrudgingly thinking in terms of reading your Bible or your prayer life, your private worship. Maybe some of you would say, well, man, Trent, I've tried it. I've tried a devotion, but it just feels fruitless. You know, I've, 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 I've attempted to do this from time to time, and I just don't feel like I get much out of it. Well, as I've gotten older, one of the things that has helped me the most in my private worship in this devotion time is, is understanding who I am. Like, I've taken so many personal assessments, whether, you know, it's a personality assessment or, you know, an emotional intelligence assessment, and, and uh, so a Myers-Briggs or a DISC profile or the Enneagram, there's all kinds of these things. And so, as I've gotten to know who I am, um, as I've gotten to know who I am in Christ, it's really helped my private worship. And so, one of the most important things you will ever do in this life is discover who you are in Christ. Understanding your identity in Christ, understanding how you're wired, understanding how you lead, understanding what motivates you. And every single person in this room is going to be different. Every single one of us is going to be wired differently. And so we're going to connect to God in, in similar ways. But then again, we're going to connect to God in a lot of various and unsimilar ways. And so as we think about drawing near to God, how do we actually do that? How do, we, how do we draw near to God with a sincere heart? Well, for me, this is just me. And so, you know, how I'm wired, how I connect to God is I need a cup of coffee. I need to get away from distractions. I, I need to uh, find myself on the porch at home uh, either really early in the morning or late at night when nobody's around. And uh, I, I need to engage God because I get I get like really distracted when things happen. Music is a big part of my devotion. So I'll, I'll play a worship playlist, put my headphones on or something, and, and just kind of connect through music. And if they're really gospel-centered lyrics, that helps me. I need, personally, I need a book to engage God. I need a book usually by an old pastor, an old theologian like 
Jonathan Edwards or Charles Spurgeon, because for me, I've got to read in order to engage my mind and and my heart with God. And so so that's my practice. Like, I've got to read a book. I've got to get away from distractions. I need coffee. Uh, I need a good sermon. I need good music. All of these things are are a part of my routine in some form or fashion, and it engages my mind. Now, if I really want to connect with God at least once or twice a year, I've got to get away and go into the woods and camp by myself. Um, I just got to get away. I like to be in nature. I like to be, you know, in the woods. I just like to get away and, and, and take a good book, take my Bible, and just spend a few days with God. And, and early on in my marriage, you know, I would tell Micah, I just got to go to the woods and I just got, I just want to be with God. And she was like, you just want to leave me with four little kids. And I was like, nah, it's only part of it. I, I really want to connect with God. And uh, so, so I would do that. And, 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 and it's been so fruitful and helpful in my life. And uh, a couple of summers ago, I gave a few hundred bucks to every single one of our staff members. And I said, I want you guys to go away on a solo trip. Just get away and spend uh, uh, two to three days uh, away, connect with God. And everybody kind of just did their own thing. And, and for me, I, I knew exactly what that looked like for me. I, I, I got my Eno, I got my, my French press, I got uh, my tent, and I went to the mountains. I, I took Jonathan Edwards with me, and I just got away. And uh, for, for me, day one is about finding the right spot and setting up camp. Day two is, is like, what am I doing here? And I'm just super bored, right? I don't have a cell phone. There's no cell phone service. And so what am I doing? And then some, somewhere along day three, you know, I, I begin to hear the forest and I begin to really connect with God. I, I, I take my French press. I've got my coffee. I walk around barefoot. <laughs> I don't know. Some of you are like, this dude's a hippie. No, I'm not. I, I grew up in the country. And so I ran around barefoot in the woods. And so I guess it takes me to a calmer place. But but that's just how I truly connect with God. And I need to do that at least once or twice a year. And, and, and so that's just me. And so I don't want you to hear that and say, man, that, you know, I, I just can't do that. It's a terrible idea. Maybe that is a terrible idea for you. And, and then there's some of you that would be like, dude, I want to do that now. I want to leave tonight because that's how you would connect to God. That's how, how, that's how you would, would experience God in a powerful way. Now, for all of us, drawing near to God is going to include our Bible. It's going to include prayer. But after that, we're all going to kind of be all over the map. We're all going to be like in different ways and on a different path to really connect to God in a deep way. And so I'm not saying do it my way. That would be me telling you to go back to the tabernacle. I'm telling you to discover your way. And so for, for me, That's something for you to look forward to if you don't know yourself yet. If you don't know how you do that, I'm telling you to discover it and plan for it. Dive into it and experience it. God is going to show up. He's going to meet with you. He's going to speak to you. And so there's this level of mystery that can kind of come back into your walk with God, that there, there, there are pieces to the puzzle that you need to figure out. And for some of you, you're like, I really already know. Um, but I'm really not pressing into that. And so for you, it would be, okay, I've got to be intentional about this. And by the way, our journey, uh, Camp 2, our our journey is our discipleship strategy. And in Camp 2, we talk specifically about these things, and and it helps you uh, to get to know about you. So to, to draw near to God 
with a sincere heart. Step number one, you might want to write this down. Clarify your path to God. Clarify your path to God. In other words, how do you draw near to God? Is it a cup of coffee alone? Does it have to involve music? Do you need to get away? Do you need to be with people? Now, when I say path, our path to God is always through Jesus. We've already covered that. But I'm talking about how God has wired you to connect to him. And here's how you begin to understand this. Ask yourself this question. You might write this question down. What stirs your affection for Jesus? What stirs your heart for Jesus? When you're doing these things, it really just fires you up to love Jesus, to serve Jesus. You want to be faithful to Jesus when you are in those moments. You want to give more of yourself to Jesus when you're in those moments. And for me, it's when I'm alone with a cup of coffee, reading a book by Jonathan Edwards. For me, it's when I'm in my home with a cup of coffee with my small group. I always relates around coffee for me. I don't know what that is. But yeah, when I'm in my living room and I'm gathered with my small group and we're talking about Jesus and we're talking about our faith, I just feel connected to God. I walk away from that experience feeling more connected to God. And he grows me in that situation. For some of you, it's going to be sermons, and so you need to hear more sermons. For some of you, it's going to be music, and you need to listen to more music that stirs your heart to love Jesus and to walk with Jesus in a deeper way. For some of you, you're going to connect best through relationships, and so you need to be around other people. Small groups for you is the epitome of your week because you got to be around people. And I want to hear your story. Let me share my story, and we're going to be besties, and we're going to talk about our faith, and you just love to be around people, and it energizes you. For some of you, it's going to be intellectually, and so you're going to need a book. You're going to need a, a, a biblical sermon that engages your mind logically, and so that's how you're going to connect. For some of you, it is going to be music, and so uh, you're going to have to you know, connect to the right worship albums. And so when we sing here on Sunday morning, you're the first one to stand. Your heart is singing out. Your hands are raised, and it's just like, boom. For you, that is your connection point with the Lord. Pastor Landon is a music guy, and so when I walk by his office and Hillsong is, is stumping in his office, I know he's with Jesus, right? For some of you, it's going to be serving. And so when you serve God, you feel like you're on mission with God, that's when you feel most connected to God. And so it's as you serve. For some of you, it's going to be more of an introspective dynamic thing, that, that as you ask yourself questions and, and you try to Discover your motives and why am I doing this and, 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 and why is this happening? And, and so as you ask those questions, you dive in deeper to, to who you are. That's how you connect uh, to God. Maybe you're like me and it's nature. And so you got to get in the woods or you need to go to the beach, which is another great place for me. And, and toes in the sand, ocean in the backdrop and uh, meeting with Jesus. So what stirs your affection for God? What makes your heart just really begin to burn and, and really just get excited about the Lord. Some of you don't know what that is yet. And so the encouragement for you is to discover what those things are. Now, the opposite is true as well. What stirs your heart for Jesus is important, but you also need to understand what is stealing your affection for Jesus. So you might write that question down as well. What is stealing your affection for Jesus? In other words, what is causing you to, to rob some of those affections, kind of robbing you of that close walk with Lord, to live for him, to experience him. For me, I'll be honest with you, it's football. 
and it is football time in Tennessee, and college football is going to start, and as it starts, I'm going to want to watch it all day on Saturday. I'm going to want to listen to it on the radio all week. I'm going to want to go to games. I'm going to want to think about it. I'm going to want to talk about it. And there's just something inside of me when it comes to sports, my heart begins to stir. If it's, if it's, if it's basketball season, it's NBA season for me. If, 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 if it's that time of year, then I'm tempted to know too much about it and to be too involved in it. And before you know it, my heart is singing and stirring for sports, and it's distracting me from really having a heart that is stirred by the gospel and by Jesus. And so now my attention is focused here and, and not on the Lord. And I would imagine that there are a lot of people in the room here in East Tennessee that could relate to that because football is a God in our city. There is no doubt about it. And some of you bow down to that God every fall and you get nervous during the week about the game and you come to church on Sunday after a big loss and you're depressed and you're all down, right? If, if you are emotionally that involved in a sport, you got a problem, just being honest. I can say that because I, I, I've experienced it. And if you're nervous on Saturday morning because Tennessee is playing Alabama, there's an issue. Bro, if you are face painting up on Saturday and I see you, I'm going to rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You've gone <laughs> too far. Your heart is stirring for the wrong things. And it can rob you of the connection that your soul is longing for. For me, it's TV. If, if, if I find something on Netflix that is engaging, I can, I can be knee-deep in season one and be dying for season two. Is anybody with me on that? There's just something about it. And if I'm not careful, what my heart starts to do is stir for that show, and, and that desire is there, and so I want to I get my kids settled so they're doing their thing, and I want to get my wife settled so she's doing her thing so that then I can run to the TV and I can, I can engage, right? Now, what's wrong with that? Nothing's necessarily wrong with that unless it's robbing me of stirring up the affections in my heart to connect to my Savior. And so we have to be aware of these things that are robbing us. Look at verse 22 again. He says, he says as we draw near to God with this sincere heart, we have a full assurance of faith. In other words, as we are connecting with God, we stop doubting our salvation and our faith grows, and we begin to take steps of faith in our life that we've never taken before. Now, how many of you in the room could say that recently you've taken a step of faith that has required you to get outside of your comfort zone? If something doesn't immediately come to you, perhaps you have settled into a same old, same old mentality and faith and walk with God. And if you're not doing anything that requires faith, then I would say Perhaps there's some room here for you to make a connection with God. He says you'll have a full assurance of faith. He says he will give us a clean conscience. We talked about this last week. And so this, this clean conscience is given to us by faith in Jesus, not by an offering, not by attendance, not by showing up. That clean conscience comes when we confess our faith in Jesus and he comes into our life and he saves us. Verse 23, he says, hold fast to this confession of hope. Hope has a name, by the way. His name is Jesus. 
We sang about him a few minutes ago, and, and when we are connecting to God, when we are drawing near to his heart, we are absolutely holding fast to a faith, and, and God is faithful in this, he says here in verse 23. You see, it is God who makes the promise that it's through Jesus that we get saved. I'm not making that promise. God is making that promise. God is the one who is promising that when we come to faith in Jesus, he is forgiving us. He is creating in us a brand new person. No matter what you have done, he's the one that promises your conscience is clean and you are forgiven. It's not me. It's not, you know, religious people. This is God who makes this promise. And he says that he is, in fact, faithful. And so look at verse 24 now. He says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. So if we want to have an experience with God that changes our life, we've got to, we've got to draw near to God with a sincere, with a true heart. And secondly, we have to stir others to draw near to God. Part of our faith, part of our connection with God is that we are stirring others up to draw near to God. So let us consider how we can live life together in such a way that we stir each other's affections up for Jesus. In other words, when you are with me, you are being stirred up. Your affections, your love is stirred up to love God. And when I'm with you, you are stirring up my heart to, to love God and, and to draw near to God. So how do we do that? He says, well, by loving each other. And so it's in this relationship where we genuinely care about each other. We genuinely love each other. So there's a, a genuineness there. There's, there's an authentic desire to, to really love each other. And, and listen, we have almost 2,000 people in our church, so we, we can't have relationships with every single person. So that's why we say connect in a small group. Because in, when you're in that group of 8 to 10 to 12 people, now you are able to genuinely form a bond and a relationship with those people that you can begin to develop love for them as brothers and sisters in Christ. He says, also, we stir each other up by doing good works, doing good works towards each other. And so in the confines of these relationships that, the, that we are in, we're doing good stuff for each other. We're serving each other. We're showing each other that we actually care about each other. And he says, don't give up meeting together. And so essentially what he's saying is, meet regularly with these people. So we could apply it to Sunday morning, the, the gathering that we are a part of today. Don't give up meeting together on Sunday morning. Why? Because it stirs up your affection to love Jesus. Don't neglect meeting together with a group of people that you genuinely are in relationship with, sharing love, doing good works together. Why? Because it stirs up your affection and love for Jesus. Now, the enemy's goal for you is that you would withdraw from God's presence and your church family. That's what he wants in your life. He wants you to withdraw from church on Sunday morning, and he wants you to withdraw from relationships here in God's church. And here's the truth. You have to keep showing up. You say, well, I didn't really get anything. You have to keep showing up. You say, well, I'm all alone. I haven't really met any friends yet. You have to keep showing up. My husband doesn't come with me, and so I come and I feel awkward. Keep showing up. 
Listen, every time I have a devotion with God and I'm alone with God, even if I've got my coffee and, you know, my feet are in the river in the mountains, it's not like every time I read the Bible, like a lightning bolt hits me in the head and I levitate off the ground. That's not it. Like there are some days where my mind is so scattered and I read read a little bit, I pray a little bit, and, and, you know, I I just maybe, maybe don't make that connection. But it's the consistency. It's the consistency of being in the Word of God every week. I don't beat myself up if I'm not, you know, 8 o'clock every Monday morning or 6 a.m. or whatever. I'm not that guy. That, that'd be me going back to the tabernacle. I, I don't operate well in, with all of those rules. And so I, I, I have to have freedom in that. And I want to draw with a sincere heart, not out of a legalistic, I got to do it right now at this time. It's got to be dark. You know, I, I want it to be sincere. And so it doesn't, lightning bolts aren't hitting me every time, but it's that consistency of showing up to meet with God. It's that consistency of being in a small group and being in relationships that God uses that to draw me near to him. Now listen, you can't draw near to God only by yourself. For me, it's going to be, you know, in that private time of worship with no distractions. It's going to be when I'm gathered here together worshiping with you all and gathering in my home for small group. Those things are, are, are going to stir me up and I cannot experience it without other people in my life. Our mission is to make disciples, and that can't happen if we aren't stirring up one another to love Jesus. Because if I'm not getting stirred by you, then I get really selfish, I get really into football and to TV, and it robs me of life, it robs me of joy. We said earlier that Jesus is life, and so I need you to remind me, dude, don't be, don't be painting your face. Stop getting nervous about game day. You're not playing. It's not a big deal. Doesn't matter who wins or loses, right? Right? It, it, it just really doesn't. It does not affect your life unless you let it. And so I need that reminder. I need to be stirred up to do the things that God's calling me to. Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called the day. I need daily encouragement to love Jesus. You need daily encouragement. You need that small group around you to be encouraged daily. He says, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Because the moment that you stop getting encouraged and stirred up to love Jesus, you know what happens? Your heart begins to turn cold. Think of a a fire pit. It's about to be fall. We're going to have fires outside, and, and you see that hot coal in the center of that fire. If you were to take some tongs and you were to take that hot coal out from the bottom of that fire pit, and you were to just place it six inches outside of that fire, just a very short distance, what happens to that hot coal? In a very short amount of time, it turns black and cold. It's the same thing that happens with my heart and your heart. If I am not being stirred up to love Jesus, if my affection for Jesus isn't getting roused up and stirred up and, and I'm doing the things that connect me to God, for me it's music, for me it's, it's, it's getting distraction free, it's getting a book. What is it for you? What is it that really stirs you up? And some of you are like, I don't know. I guess it's being here. I like being here. That's only part of it. Because if all you ever experience at Foothills Church are these rows, you haven't experienced half of what it means to be a part of this church. Because it's through the relationships that we experience and the mission that we're a part of that God inflames my heart and wakes me up every day to connect to him. So If step one is to clarify your path to God, step two would be, you might write this down, connect to a group of people who want more of Jesus. 
connect to a group of people who want more of Jesus. And so if you've connected to our church on Sunday morning, that's a great first step. We want more Jesus here. And the next step is to dive deeper and to connect to a small group of people that want more of Jesus. Now, I say that intentionally, that want more of Jesus, because perhaps you've been in a group or a Sunday school class in the past, and that group didn't necessarily want more of Jesus. They just wanted more gravy and biscuits, or they wanted more donuts or coffee or whatever it was. Like, we need to be in a group where the people have decided that, hey, we're here because we want more of Jesus. So we're not going to make this about ourselves. We want to get more of Jesus. Now, listen. Imagine what your life would look like a year from now. Your kids just started school. This is kind of like a a, a fresh new year kind of season, isn't it? When our kids go back to school and some of you, you know, you got grandkids, they're back in school. New rhythms, everything is kind of fresh. The weather's going to begin to change. It feels, feels like a new season. Now think about it. What would it look like for you a year from today if you decided that you were going to intentionally begin to connect with God on a private level, a personal worship level, and you were going to connect to a group of people that wanted more of Jesus. Fast forward 12 months from today, what would your life look like? What would your marriage potentially look like? Who would your kids potentially be? What would your heart look like if you actually got serious about connecting to God and you connected to a group of people who love Jesus? You know, there's something that happens when we make a commitment to do life together in a small group for the purpose of of growing as a disciple. There's just something unique that happens. Yes, we're a bunch of sinners. Yes, we're selfish. We get on each other's nerves. It gets messy. It's uncomfortable from time to time. But there's just something about being in relationships with people that God has sovereignly created for it to work like this. That when we are in relationships, all the rough edges of my life begin to get smoothed over. And your rough edges, I begin to smooth those over over because of our, 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 our relationship together. So draw near to God with a sincere heart. Stir others to draw near to God. And that requires us to be in relationships with one another. I need you to stir me on and I need to stir you on. We can't give up meeting together because if we do, our hearts will begin to stir for things that are less than Jesus and it will lead us to sin and dark places and we'll forget the one that saved us. We'll settle for less, we'll worship the gods of this world and we'll waste our life and we'll hurt others in the process. And listen, I want my heart to stir for Jesus. I want to draw near to Jesus. I want to get away from distractions and hear Jesus speak to me. I want to be in relationships that stir my affections for Jesus. And I want to know the one who saved me. I want to give my life to the one who rescued me from hell. I want to experience the one that gives me hope. He gives me power. He gives me joy. And I want to stand up today and I want to praise Jesus. Amen? Church, let's do that right here, right now. James, lead us. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.